0: Today, we're going to find ourselves in the 25th chapter of Matthew. Matthew chapter 25, a a sermon that I, a story that I have preached a a ton of different ways. And uh, during a devotional reading uh, early this week, it just, uh, a a single verse, a single phrase in there hit me like a ton of bricks. And so I started studying, I started looking. And I want to give you a little bit of a background. Right before uh, the passage we're going to be on, there are three stories. Jesus has begun um. well, the best word I know how to describe is warning. He's begun warning people about the return, okay? And it's not a warning like danger, but it is a warning like beware, all right? Because it's not beware of, of oh, God is awful. It is beware because there, there will come a time when you are out of time. Now, a lot of people uh, seize on this, and we begin uh, what I like to call Uh, uh, salvation by fear, all right? Hellfire and brimstone. Watch out, you may die when you walk out of here. And that is, wait, wait, what? Yes, you might. Yes, you might. And a million dollars might fall on your head from a broken gutter somewhere. I don't don't know, all right? But if you you begin pointing out and and making people afraid of hell, all right, that is not finding Jesus. Jesus is did not do that, all right? But he is not also a fairy, all right, with little wings and a little grace arrow that he shoots you in your happy little bottom with, and then your life is better, all right? We, don't, we can't go there either, all right? Little Valentine Jesus for you, all right? So what, what he's doing is he tells three stories that, that, that are similar, all right? In the first one, he says, now, there is a master, and let's be clear. There is a master. Remember last week I said there is a God and you're not him, all right? You got to recognize that. There is a master and there's a master in all three of these stories, all right? And if a master leaves somebody to, to take care of his house and to, to take care of his servants and he come back and everything is in order and still running, that's a good thing, all right? But if he comes back and the, the, the servant has decided, hey, he won't be back for a while, I got this. We're gonna do things my way. We're gonna do things my how. There's gonna be some discipline around here. And right in the middle of him whipping servants and counting his own money, the master comes back. He's not gonna be happy. He's not gonna be happy at the arrogance of the servant, of the servant doing things his own way. Are we, are we listening? The master, when he returns, is very disappointed at the arrogance of the servant taking what he has offered him to steward over and doing what he wants with it. I think the idea in that story is if I knew when the master was coming back, I'd straighten up my act right before he got home and nobody would ever know that. You know, a lot of us are that way, aren't we? We like that radar detector Christianity. You know, you're not speeding if you don't get caught. Well, yes, you are. You're speeding. You're just... Didn't get caught. The radar detector doesn't help you follow the law. It keeps the law from figuring out that you're breaking the law. But that doesn't mean you're not breaking the law. In the second story, all right, it, it's a, it's the parable of the, the ten virgins. They're waiting, all right, for, for the master to come. And the idea here is that some of them got prepared and some of them did not, all right? And it's a long time before the master arrives and they go through the night. And some of the lamps go out. And the, the, the girls who didn't prepare turn to the girls who did prepare and say, hey, can you can you give me some oil for, for, for my lamp? And they're like, if we give you oil, then your light's going to happen and my light's not going to happen. And then the master comes back and the people with their lamps lit can get where they're going and the people who can't, can't. And they ran out of time, all right? Now, after that, there is what we call the parable of the talents, all right? The parable of... Of the talent, and I, because the internet has gone out in the sanctuary, oh, he he brought it up here, okay, right here, here we go, I am going to walk through this one, but that's why we start with the word again, you needed to have the two stories, because if you don't take this story underneath the pretense of watch out, which is how all three start, watch out, heads up. Keep your eyes peeled. That's the idea here. If we don't read the story with that idea, we're, we're not, we're not going to get it right to begin with. So that pretense has to be over this. Watch out means, hey, no matter what you think or what you feel, there is a time limit. We all remember when we were teenagers, you know, life was, life was there. Oh, we could do anything, feel anything, say anything. We flew and we we fell hard, and, and, and it was all good, and there weren't any responsibilities, and when we went to school, it might not have been good, but there was going to be food on the table at a certain time in a certain place, and when we got home, there was going to be food in the cabinets, and then, and then life happens, right, adults? Then adulting happens, and everybody's like, I want to be an adult, and all of us are like, back to college, all right? God's saying, hey, I don't care how much control you think you have, your life is a vapor, And there is a deadline. Let's keep that. That's not for fear. That is for fact. Again, it will be like a man who is going on a journey. Now, that is the master. The master is going on a journey. I want you to notice right now that there is no calendar. He doesn't say, I'm going to leave on January 2nd, and I will return on September 5th. He says, I'm going. Remember Jesus? I will go and prepare a place for you. Ah, all right. He called the servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag. Oh, one of the least favorite passages for people in churches, each according to his ability. Each according to his ability. We're going to come back to that because I need to get through. And we also need now to discuss why does it say five bags of gold? You said, Craig, this is the parable of the talents, not the parable of the bags of gold. We're actually going to talk about that more in depth than I ever have before. You need to understand that a talent in the Bible was a measurement of money, like a yen or a dollar or a, a you know, anything like that. It was a measurement of money that probably would be, we could probably say $1,000 you know, a grand. All right, hey, I'm going to give you a grand, I'm going to give you two grand, I'm going to give you five grand. That doesn't mean grand pianos. We all know that that means a grand, a thousand dollars. It's the same thing here. The talent was a measurement amount of money, okay? So that's the first thing you need to know because this sermon has probably been preached to some of you about using your talents, <laughs> Ha ha singing, speaking, basketball, using your talent. All right, we're going to go back and we're going to try to figure out what it is. Jesus is actually talking about. Is he talking about talents? Is he talking about talents, money? Is he talking about bags of gold? Is he talking about, what's he talking about, all right? But in my reading this week, I'm, I'm, I'm in a way better place about, about what that is and about how that affects our lives, okay? So to one he gave five, to one he gave two, and to one he gave one, and we'll come back to the, to the divvying, all right? The man who received five bags went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. Also, the two-bag guy gained two more. But the man who had received one bag dug a hole, hid the money. After a long time, after a long time, after a long time, the master of the servants returned and settled accounts. The man who had received five bags said, Master, you entrusted me with five. Here is five more. Here's the verse. His master replied, Well done. Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with the few. Other translations, in the little. You have been faithful in the little things. Now I'll put you in charge of much. Come enjoy your master's wealth. Come enjoy your master's wealth. Same story. Man with two bags gets two more. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you, it won't go. I will put you in charge of many things, all right? Come and enjoy your master's wealth. Then the man who had received one bag came, Master, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown, gathering where you have not scattered. I was afraid and went out and hid the bag of gold in the ground. Here is what you have. Now listen to me, and I've said this in in, in preaching this before. He did not steal. He did not borrow. He did not take anything from him. He protected what God gave him. But the master's response is, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew this is how I was. So you knew this is how I was. So you knew this is how I was. Have you ever heard church people, uh, and I am, I'm picking. Have you ever heard church people, religious people say things like, well, God wouldn't like that. Well, God doesn't want you to do that. Well, God would be angry at you for doing that. And it is nowhere in the Bible. And then it is, well, that's just not the way we do it. Okay. Okay. But blame that on you, not on God. Don't look God in the face or his people in the eye, charged with teaching them, and say, God thinks you ought to do this, 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 this. this, You don't know what God thinks. Here's what the master's saying right here. Oh, so you knew. Can't y'all see him? Oh, you knew, did you? And then he says, well, you should have at least put it on deposit. Take the bag of gold from him. Give it to the one who has ten. Whoever has has will be given more, and and, and even those who won't have it will be taken. Listen, and throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Get rid of his rear end. Uh, No questions. Throw his hind side out. And the only other reference to weeping and gnashing of teeth in the Bible is what? Hail. Tell him, girl. You're a little country, though. Hail, but that's okay. We all know. We're throwing them into a storm of ice balls. All right. Let's back up. We need to figure out what 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 the master means by talent, okay? And I was reading a guy uh, that 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 Spencer introduced me to. His name is Ray Stedman. He's an old school preacher. And Ray had this little outline where he said, let's ask ourselves some questions about the story to see if we can't identify what the talents are. And he said, the first thing we know about whatever a talent is is that it was not the servant's, it was God's. So whatever it is does not belong to the servant, it belongs to God, okay? Also, whatever it is was granted, you ready, according to Ability. So this kind of puts a, a, a little bit of a, of, a, of, a, of a niche or a wrench in the fact that if he's talking about talents, why does he hand it out on the basis of talents or abilities? But it's not just on the basis of talents or abilities like we see it. It's handed out on the basis of who we are, how we are, where we are. Okay? He would not have expected these men to invest in the stock market. Why? there was no stock market, okay? What they were to do was based on what they had the ability to do or who they had the ability to do it with. Maybe the man he gave five talents lived in a larger city when he went away from work, and he had more people that he could invest with. Who knows? But God does, and so he gives out whatever this is based on who they are, where they are, how they are. The second thing, the third thing is that we are, it implies all the way through there that there was never any time that whatever was given was expected to be sat on. Whatever was given, there was never any expectation that it was just to be sat upon. There was going to be some risk involved. There was going to be some change involved. There was going to be action involved. So it is something that only God can give and it never is the servants and of of their doing, all right? It is expected to take action. It's given according to who we are and what we're able to do where we are. And finally, there is an expected return. There is going to be a return on whatever investment is made. And after all of that, here's what what this guy says. He says, it can't be just money. It can't be just power. He said, but you know there is something that only God controls in his infinite wisdom of everything that happens that falls under all of these. He says, I think talents are opportunity. Now think about that. I think that the talent is opportunity. Okay. We have, throughout every day of our life, ordained moments, ordained opportunities, if you will, to choose. To do what the Master needs us to do or not. To choose to do what the Master wants of us or not. And those who are actively involved, and this fits the scripture, in doing each little thing that comes along actively find themselves with more opportunities to do the will of the Master. When God left, He said, I need you to watch out. There is a time that is coming, and what happens at the end of that time? Those who know the Lord, those who have grown in the Lord, those who have shared the Lord with those around them, all those who have accepted Jesus will get to be with him, but when that time ends, those who do not know the Lord, that time is over. The opportunity to share in who God is is yours at every single turn. Let me tell you, this morning, All across this county, people had an opportunity when they woke up. They could choose to honor God by being in the house of worship or to honor themselves by staying home. Could they not? There are people who are scheduled to work with children, to work with youth, to preach sermons, to sing in the choir, to do special music all around the world today. And they can take that opportunity or they cannot. Now, listen, I am not preaching to anybody in this room because I know our church is holy and righteous and this doesn't apply to anybody here. So let's, let's be clear about that. But every Friday, some of you every other Friday, You have an opportunity because a check that you earned that you best not doubt this comes from God offers you an opportunity, does it not, to honor God with his part of that, letting him know that you know where it came from, and then stewarding that in a way that blesses him. You have an opportunity. And I know it doesn't happen in here, but do you know that there are people who, who they get they get a $1,000 opportunity every week and they give God zero of it? Do you know? I, I can't believe those people are out there. They're not in here. But we wonder why God doesn't give us more. Well, well done, servant, comma, You have been faithful in the little things, so I will allow you many things. How about if we just say it this way? Craig, why do you think I'm like this? Why do you think this is like this? Well, you are unfaithful in the little things, so why in the name of sweet baby Jesus would he allow you to have any opportunity at the big things? Well, Craig, are you saying that the people who do all the right things, they're going to get all the money? No, 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 no. There is a big difference between obedience to God and a prosperity gospel, and you will not hear that here. Ain't going to happen, Captain. The only thing that God promises with obedience is this one thing. Let me be clear. When you obey God, when you follow God, when you are God, here's what he says, I will be there and it tracks with this sermon. Do you know why? Because when, sorry, when I'm getting cozy. When the when this I'm all up in it right here, all right? You guys are in the splash zone and it's good. Listen to me. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Look, 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 look. Come and share in your masters, well, two things I want you to understand about this. Number one, it doesn't matter if you were the guy with two or the guy with five. When they did the right thing, both of them ended up with the same reward, all that the master had. But please also understand that though they were given all that the master had, always will. You will never be rich, and you will never be poor, because nothing that you have is really yours. You did not realize Dr. Seuss was preaching this morning, did you? (laughs) And when you grab that perspective, when you grab the perspective that it is the master's timing, the master's finances, the master's strength, the master's voice, the master's wisdom that you make your decisions with, you will see opportunities for the gospel at every turn. You will know when to wrap the coat around the cold person. And when that person is playing you, you will know when to hand $20 off when it's the last $20 you had because the widow's mites are worth even more. You will know when your $10 that you handed that person when they needed $50 will be all that they need because that little loaves and fishes basket fed $20,000. And that's how you enjoy the wealth of the master. But listen me. You get none if you cannot be faithful with the few. I said this at Cox's Creek Baptist Church in Cox's Creek, Kentucky 15, 20, 20, about 20 years ago. I said it again at Genesis Community Church. I've said it here and I'm going to repeat myself. The greatest reason churches don't explode financially, numerically, spiritually, discipleship wise, the greatest single reason that churches don't explode is they are so busy focusing on what they believe they need to do, the programs they need to come come by, the, 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 the people they need to reach out to, the things they need to do, and God gives them something very specific and very theirs, that they have everything they need to care for and they don't care for it. Do you want to know what ours is? Do you want to know what it is here? Think about it, church. What has God overwhelmingly blessed us with that is super hard for us to handle and to take care of. Children, and do you know that we love you, but we sit in staff meeting and we go, why in God's name out of 150 people can't we get 12 people who will say yes and believe yes and then show up on any given Sunday? There's not been one Sunday in the last six months that 12 people who have said we'll be there have all showed up. Not one. If we can't be faithful in the things God's given us, why should he give us anything else? And that is not me stepping on your toes. That is truth. That is me pouring my heart out for a children's pastor who would give her life for every one of you and your children. Well, Craig, that's just not my thing. Where was that line in this story? What if the five guy had come up and said, hey, I'm going to deal with two of these, but the other three, they're just not my thing, Mr. Master. Uh, There might have been some gnashing. Do you understand, church? Why would God bless us? If every time a piece of finance comes in, if every time an opportunity comes in, if every time we're overwhelmed by a feeling to do something, we go, well, I have an appointment. Well, I have another bill. Well, I have to, I'm just tired today. I'm tired today. That sweet little baby of mine has decided that sleeping through the night is not for her. And my sweet wife is really, really good about about being the one to to get up. But the bottom line is that monitor's there, and when she cries, we're both awake. And yes, she's the one going up the stairs, and then I'm running up the stairs because the sugar kicked in and the diabetes thing's going off. And so the baby's crying and the diabetes thing's going off. And sometimes I don't want to get up. You don't. You don't become the preacher or the pope or the Catholic guy with the priest ring that some of y'all think that I am. You don't become that. Thank God most of y'all know better. You don't get some kind of superpower the day that happens that makes you immune from all the things of the world. I didn't all of a sudden wake up one morning and go, Ah, look at me. Preacher to be. Life will be wonderful, 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 wonderful. Every morning, Kena, I stand in front of the mirror, and when I look at my face and the dark circles under my eyes, the hallelujah chorus breaks off inside of me. And I want to break something off inside of somebody's backside sometimes. But church, Do you know, I'm not, I want to be good. I wanna. I want to be eloquent. I want to be, I want just where I want it you know what the bottom line is? you know what I've got to do? Stand before you, tell the truth, and preach the Scripture. That's what I've got to do. And the, the worse I get and the more tired I get, the better Jesus seems to be. Because you know what? I'm faithful in the one thing I know. Write that check and preach that Jesus. I'm going to get better at showing up at this, praying better at that, Working harder at this. I'm going to get better when my daughter turns 18. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> listen, listen. People tend to need immediate recourse for their giving and their doing. A person came in and told me a story just the other day. Listen, this happens all the time. A person came in, and and we were straight up talking. And they were like, man, you know, the money's not been good. And I looked right at them because I have this kind of relationship with them. And I was like, I know you haven't been given for seven months. I mean, I said it because I said I was going to. That's why I sat in the Coffee and Covenant with you, which is next week. And I will tell you how it is. If you don't want to be there, that's, I'm fine with that. And then, listen, I love this person. That person calls me next week and said, we gave last week. I said, I know, and I still can't pay my bills. Oh, I want it now. <laughs> hey, man, we started giving, and then we had this, this, and this happen. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? That's what I am for. Not me, Craig. Me, the head the pastor of the church alongside Spencer and Stephen when God's people are serving and God's people are giving and Acts, the church in Acts does what the church in Acts does. Yes, sometimes individuals don't have coats. Sometimes individuals don't have food. Sometimes individuals don't have money. But those who have food give food to those who don't. Those who have money give money to those who don't. Those who have homes give homes to those who don't. And pretty soon, nobody is without anything but you have to do your part. And then the church has everything. And nobody who's ever walked in my office, who serves and who gives, has walked out of my office still in need. Not because I'm good, but because this church will be that way as long as I am here. As long as I'm here. If you give, if you serve, if, if you're a part of the body of Christ, we'll find a way. We'll find a way. And that, listen, that means an emotional way. Some of you are like, I can pay the bills. I can't handle one more negative thing that happens. I hear you. Then let's wrap our arms around you. Then let's sit in our small groups and cry together. Then let's pull in the prayer warriors and let's pray together then let's pull the people who've been through exactly what you've been through, divorcees. Let's pull the people who've been through exactly what you've been through, child abuse. Let's pull the people who've been exactly what you've been through, people taken out of your home. Let's pull those people together who have made it through the fire, who God has said, on the other side of serving you and loving you, there I stand and I was never not with you. What's the footprints? That's where I carried you. And church, sometimes it's not Jesus physically that carries you, it's the body of Christ that he called you and I to be. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus. And I want to stand before him and him go, you are a little, bald-headed, rambunctious idiot, and that is who I made you to be so that they could put up with you, you could put up with them, and we could get this particular job done because you're the one that I gave this particular job to. You're my opportunity. I'm built for you. Sorry. I want him to say, good job. Good job, you little chihuahua. Good job. People come in here all the time and they say, somebody said the other day, you're just not for them. I wanted to say no. Duh. That's not what I wanted to say, but, you know, that's what I'm going to say right now. Listen, I, I am not everybody's flavor. You know, I, 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 that is not unaware on me. I told you before, when teenagers come up to me and they're like, oh, Yo, you're short. <gasps> no! Run to a mirror. What happened? I was six foot when I woke up. I'm not everybody's flavor. I'm okay with that. I'm okay you're my flavor. I'm yours. And I want to stand hand in hand with you and say, when God asked us for food at the Salvation Army, we gave. When God asked us to hug the orphans in Guatemala, we went. When God said, this is the part of your tide that makes NBC run, you gave. I gave. We gave. When God said, I'm sending you 70 kids when I send everybody else 30, trust me, we better step up take care of them, and he's going to give us 70 more. Or if we don't, guess what happens? Take it from them and give it to someone who will do the right thing with it. Mock my words. Step up, church. Be faithful in the opportunities that you will have all day today. Wake up tomorrow morning and be faithful again. Blessed are you. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many. And you will enjoy your master's happiness. Not you will enjoy a large bank account. Not you will enjoy multiple friends. Not you will enjoy a tall, handsome preacher. You will enjoy your master's happiness. Don't make promises. I wouldn't love you if I didn't call you to step up. Don't be a pew sitter. Don't be a fan. Don't be a next week Christian. Be faithful now. Whatever opportunities come your way, there's a big master out there with limitless resources, and they range from emotions to money to power to grace to everything that you can fathom. Call on him. He didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Go use it. Be faithful. and He will be faithful to you. God last week what a beautiful song we sang great is thy faithfulness Oh God our Father mm, morning by morning come on all I have needed thy hands have provided God let us live under the wealth of your grace let us live under the waterfall of your love and your hope let us not live bound by the 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 uh, need for a, a partner, the, the need for someone else's approval, the need for a, a bank account that has a comma in it, the need for a church that does things the way we want them. Let us, let us not. Let us bask in the fact that you love us. You want to bless us. You want to give to us. You can do more than we could ever ask for or imagine. And you are enough. And the Christ in you, that is the hope of all glory. God, I pray that for these people. In Jesus' name, amen.